You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Goudreau, scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you for our December show. Oh, how time flies. The last time we were on, which literally felt like two weeks ago, which it was yeah. longer than two weeks ago, uh, the Wild had just hired, just fired Dean Evason, hired John Hines. I think it was the day after John Hines' first game um, when, they played, when they played the Blues. And uh, since then, the Wild have gone, I believe it's 7-3. and three. Um, under John Hines, things are looking a lot better than when Dean Evison was fired. Uh, so we're here today to talk about kind of our first impressions for this first 10-game sample or so of John Hines. We'll go through the prospects of the World Juniors coming up, uh, who to watch for, talk about some notable snubs. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about uh, Bill Guerin, Chris O'Hearn, Andrew Height. Uh, give our thoughts on that situation, a couple other topics. Uh, so it should be a good show just in time uh, for Christmas, our present to you. You get to listen to us talk for an hour. So good stuff there. Awesome. But before, as we always do, got to check in with everyone. Justin, holidays around the corner. Got to imagine things are uh, hectic as usual for you. Yeah, but, you know, normally we wait till like a day or two before to wrap everything. And we actually have pretty much everything done. We've kind of... I cannot say the same. Not procrastinated as much this year as having three kids. Sometimes it's, yeah. the procrastination can spend three hours just wrapping stuff. Um, uh, looking forward to it though. We're hosting the shared house and awesome. Um, Extra work. Looking forward to it. Uh, I, you know, Christmas mass is always my favorite mass too. So I'm just really looking forward to like the whole so spectacle. Like the choir, that jazz? No, no, it's they actually had a Christmas play at my son's school that was really fun to watch he got to sing there but no no choir or anything yet maybe, maybe when he's a little bit older but we'll, we'll see um but yeah just been chilling other than that kids hockey seasons full swing they got uh, a couple months left uh, i can't believe how fast it's going but the only thing that stinks is there's no outdoor ice so they don't have their outdoor yeah, game that's that's crazy. Cool. like i walk through my apartment courtyard and it's like the grass is still green. yeah it's like it's not it's even out. Yet. Like, i don't know if you guys saw but um there's usually at the viking lakes park so i think over where the vikings do their uh training camp they have like an ice festival so they build like this big like ice oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they yeah. literally yeah. put out a facebook post that they had to cancel it because it will not be cold enough it would have been like, what parallel universe right am i yeah. in where the ice festival in minnesota gets canceled could have done a puddle fest right bright side is no no big snow yet so we had to deal with that crap that that was nice (laughs) but no other than that just trying to get my uh pat maroon beard to a a zach bagosian beard (laughs) just early watching the wild just looking forward to talking to him again so what did you say early phases yeah yep (laughs) going through it's it's going through one right now right now i think i think it's a good hartman beard 
Yeah. Um, yeah. At least one of us is on top of Christmas. I mean, I have about three quarters of my shopping done and everything is sitting right next to my desk unwrapped. Um, my girlfriend and I are doing dual shopping. So we're just, everything's for the both of us. Yeah. Um, I'm doing most of the work, but <laughs> I think hopefully we'll get everything wrapped on Christmas Eve morning before we have to go places. Right. So. <laughs> or just put them in bags. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm considering that. But then after, then the other problem is I got to go buy bags. Yeah, that is a pro tip. If you haven't ever been to the dollar store and you need Christmas wrapping things, go to the dollar store. Yes. Have, like the paper ain't great, but that stuff's getting ripped up and torn through anyway. Like, especially if you're a last minute wrapper, it's perfect not to worry about it sliding on another tree. It's super <laughs> cheap. You can get like tins and gift boxes and bows and it's all like a dollar. Like don't waste your money at Target. Go to go to the dollar. Right. There's your on the foghorn pro tip um i still have stuff left over from last year under my bed so oh, we're no longer a wild pod we're a wild and christmas gift yeah, wrapping both are green any, and red do you have any pro <laughs> christmas gift wrapping tips uh i uh, can't say i do um <laughs> I, mean, I do know that my mom last week we had uh her family was over here on saturday that party and uh Pulse has a drawer in our entertainment center up there with probably like 50 bags that have, we've had for years. They just get used again and again. So go recycling the Christmas don't, bags. Yeah, don't don't throw them out. That's probably the... My grandma um, say, used to save the bows. Um, so she'd be, she'd be right, don't throw away your bows. So you have to carefully pull it off and then she would just like, like roll a piece of tape, stick it on the bottom and she would reuse the bows every year. So I think one year my brother and I finally... Probably when he was like 18, I was like six or I was like 16 or no 14. We just bought her a new bag of bows with her Christmas present. You can throw some of these ones that have you've literally had since we were babies out. But uh, all right, well, there's your there's your Christmas wrapping talk. Um, let us know if that was helpful to you. Um, if not, oh well, we wasted five minutes of your life. Uh, but thanks for being here. Uh, let, let's jump right in. I think, you know, one of the, you know, in addition to Christmas, one of the other really exciting things on this time of year is the world juniors, um, should be lots of fun this year. Again, the wild have pretty good representation, uh, maybe two fewer players than we would have hoped, um, kind of coming into the season, but Justin, we'll kick it over to you for the prospect update and we'll, we'll work some world juniors talk into there. I'm sure. Sounds good. I'll start with Iowa. Um, I mean, tonight they're having a tough one right now at 6 nothing. A little tough start for Wallstead, but um, other than that, Iowa's, you know, kind of middle of the road right now this year. Not not a great team, but not bad, not terrible. 11-2, uh, 1-1. They're third in the central. Wallstead is 11-6, uh, 0-2 now. 2.15 goals against average before tonight. 9-3-1 save percentage. He was second in the league in save percentage, third in goals against average. Um, another fun thing is Caden Bank here has scored his first two pro goals recently. So congrats to him. He was out for a while with, with an injury and good to see him back and scoring goals, and picking up where he did in Kamloops a little bit. So, and his goals were, were pretty nice goals too. So if you guys he haven't seen that, right? yeah, I, I believe so. I yeah. He missed, again, missed a good chunk. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll move on to Riley Height. Uh, he's tied for points lead in the WHL, I think in the whole CHL. Yeah. Um, 63 points in 31 games. He's tied with his teammate, Zach Funk, who's an overager, but having an incredible year. 
Um, Height is currently second in assists in the league, first in power play assists, and he's also pushing a 56.5% face-off percentage. So. But none of that is good enough to make the Canadian World Junior. No, no. I mean, <clears throat> he could have I guess the penalty or... kill is more important yeah. than the fourth line. Like, yeah, it's, like, no. like, it's like, okay, he's not this like rounded out like two-way player, but it's like, you can't tell me that guy would not be an asset to your power play. He, I mean, he's he's good on faceoffs. He's a power play machine. He's put, put the guy as your center on your power play. Put him on the flank, yeah. and you have him just dish passes out every time right. on power play. It's like free goals. Yeah, I mean. So Canada, I wish you nothing but the worst. <laughs> I hope your power play goes like over fifty, and I will laugh in your face. Well, people said they're loaded down the middle. They put him on a wing. Great. It's like okay. For the World Juniors, like why do you move a wing to center then? Or a center to wing than a wing to center. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Moving on. Um, Rasmus Kumpelainen, he made Team Finland for the World Juniors roster. Um, also having a good season at Oshawa, 27 points in 27 games. And looking forward to seeing how he does at the World Juniors because in the OHL, he's been a man amongst boys. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, with this competition at the World Juniors, what he looks like as well. It's been a fun player to track. Roster projections. He was looking like he's either gonna be like the two or the three C. I think. Yeah, I haven't seen, but that sounds sounds good. (laughs) It'll just be fun to watch him. I think. Um, Servak Petrovsky made Team Slovakia for the World Juniors. Um, He's also having a good year with Owen Sound, twenty-eight points in twenty-eight games. Um, another player that I felt like he did good in the last World Juniors. Kind of looking forward to see if he can continue that this year. Um, <clears throat> we'll move on to the SHL. Liam Ugren, he made Team Sweden. He is going to be the captain of the team. And in today's pre-tournament game against the Swiss, he had a pretty sweet end-to-end goal. Heck of an effort. If you guys haven't seen it, go to the prospect page. It's there, but... Uh, he's the player that I'm most excited to watch at the World Juniors. I mean, I'm excited about all of them, but this, this kid is you now he's back from injury and kind of back into the swing of things. He's, he's scoring goals and just, he's looking good. So yeah, that's that Sweden team should be really good too. They got yeah, you know, Ugrin coming back. They have Lecker, Amaki, Osland. Um, yeah, they're loaded. Just a slew of other really talented forwards. Um, backtracking real quick to Petrovsky. We saw him play a pretty big role for Slovakia last year, like played the huge minutes late when they almost upset Canada. So pretty excited to see kind of what he does. I would assume in what for, for sure be a top six, if not top line role there for Slovakia too. So um, they were kind of a sleeper last year. So excited to see if they can do this again. Yeah. Also, and, this, uh, is, this is a super random um, mm-hmm. just a tangent really quick. Speaking of the world juniors. Uh, it was a random post. I cannot remember what account posted it, but it was about like a qualifier. It was like um, Kazakhstan or something, I believe, like won this like qualifying tournament, so they'll be in it next year. But if you haven't seen the Kazakhstan jerseys, they are some of the coolest like national jerseys I've ever seen. Like to do like a Twitter or Google search of like the Kazakhstan national hockey jerseys. They're they are sweet. I haven't even seen the home ones, which I'm sure even cooler. These were the white ones. They were, really sweet. They were like that. I can't even describe it. You got, you got to go see it for yourself. I'm gonna have to check it out. I haven't seen that. It's looking they're, they're forward to that. Sweet. It, it's on my timeline if you go far enough back. But with as much as I've tweeted these last two games with two wild games, it might take you a good half hour to scroll back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just search Kazakhstan in your your uh, search bar. 
I think if you just search jerseys, you might find them. You can Probably. Type, my, yeah. type my name, type type jerseys, and, and you'll find them. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Another uh, just kind of world junior note, uh, not related to wild players, but I saw, you know, you know, I saw this on threads for God's sake. Somebody still uses that, but uh, Gordon Miller uh, posted that uh, he expects will announce the uh, 2026 hosts during the tournament upcoming here. And he, you know, he notes in there, it's obviously here and Minnesota, then Vegas and Seattle, like we already knew. And he said the uh, selling point apparently for, USA Hockey is the fact that, you know, they have uh, Mariucci to play in a college arena on campus there, even during the holidays. So apparently uh, that apparently we should be expecting that announcement uh, sometime soon, too. Yeah, I mean, at Clenot, I think it was over the summer, mm-hmm. the tweet that um, someone was so- hearing that they were, like, pitching it. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, it's all the sense of, well, I mean, you have a hockey town, you know, obviously in, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, you have basic you know we have essentially probably three venues you can play at if not if you want to use Ritter for like other games too I mean you mm-hmm. have Ritter you have Mariucci you have the X and if you need be you'll probably also have Target Center mm-hmm. um, with enough time to plan we've seen it work for you know, Frozen Four we've seen it work for NCHC we've seen obviously state tournament like I think it would be a great a great crowd I don't even know the last time Minnesota hosted it and then we have I think oh, it's been happy. a really long time 50 years, probably. Yeah. I think the most recent one closest, I know that I think, I want to say like the Grand Forks, Thief River Falls did one between the two Ralph Engelstead sheets um, a while back. But yeah, that'd be su- super, super exciting, which, you know, of course, at which point most of the Wilds probably higher end prospects will have graduated at that point. Well, you know, maybe won't play, but you know, it's still, still be, I would definitely take a couple days off work to yeah. go catch a couple of the games. So yeah, good, good note there, Zeke. And, uh, did they say you know what day or just coming up? I uh, just said you just said during the uh, during the tournament, tournament so, so think, next month, yeah. few weeks. I think the tournament goes basically through New Year's ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually it's, a couple uh, days. September twenty sixth to January fifth. Okay. So sometime in the next week to two weeks. Sweet, that would be sweet. Um, hit on the guys. I, I guess the the one thing, and we 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 did kind of you know pile on a little bit on on Charlie Strammel last week, but um, I think unsurprisingly uh, omitted from Team USA's roster. Um, was on the team the last two years, so a, a bit of a, you know, a, a shock to be you know, t- omitted when, you know, we're not the previous two years, but we talked about last week a little bit of a slow start at Wisconsin. Um, the week after being omitted has a nice weekend. I think he put up a four-point and two goal and three assists i think in two games yeah mm-hmm. following that announcement he didn't make the team so um and that was playing on a fourth line or i don't know if he got elevated in game there but um a, a deep team in wisconsin mike casing and we know his loyalty to you know obviously the guys that transferred with him the older players stream was still young was hurt to start the year so maybe it's taken a while to find his footing and we, we saw this maybe not quite as much of a slump but matt boldy similar situation right got off to a slow start at bc snubbed mm-hmm. the world junior team and then second half of the season just went absolutely freaking nuclear. So not saying that could happen here, but um, I think there's still plenty of reason to be optimistic about Stramel, but you know, obviously stinks to not see him get that get that big stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, also I mean, think he's like, sorry, Zeke, but no, I, I, I see so much hate on the pick and I just think people need to support him and, and just be patient. I, I was concerned at one point for a little bit in the season, but you also take it with a grain of salt with what, Brett just said um, he's young he's got time development's not linear like we've said a hundred times on the show and 
Um, I felt like that weekend he was playing a little bit chip on his shoulder. There's a little bit of optimism there with to his game. It was, it was a fun weekend to track him. But that's all I gotta say with him. I mean, just everyone else is saying, uh, you know, make your if you want to feel better, just think of it as he was the second round pick and hype was the other way around. And right. it's not as bad that way, but I mean, still kind of bad, but it is what it is. So. Yeah. Sure. Uh, All right. I just have a couple more things. Yeah. The prospect updates. Um, Hunter hate having another solid season at Saginaw 38 points, 30 games, maybe another snub possibly. I mean, Canada is pretty loaded, but um, if you guys haven't seen his, Maybe his one of his recent goals that goal where he took it and just deked the the defenseman out and the goalie out really well might be one of the goals of the year. Uh, yeah, pretty awesome. It's just it was it was some slick meds. <laughs> um, the one I, the, the assist I had the other night too. I think it was in his. Uh, I think it was a game. Did he have two goals, one assist? I think in that game, but he like. Basically walked a defender at the red line, like split two defensemen one handed, and then threw like a perfect backdoor feed after splitting the D. I was like, "This is." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, <Lord>. he's. <laughs> I'm so glad we got him. <laughs> awesome. The last thing, um, I guess, who's Nadinov recently played in the Stars and VHL game. I don't know if he really did anything, but, um. That's that on him. And then the last bit of info, uh, Daniil Yirov, having a great season, 27 points, 35 games. He's on pace to break Tarasenko's age 20 scoring record. He's got, which was 47 points in 2011-2012. He's on pace, Yirov is on pace for 48. Uh, there's also rumors of him signing an extension. I believe it's a one-year extension. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> little not surprising. I mean, he was presumed to be coming over here next year, but... In my opinion, I mean, we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but it's – I'm not worried about it. If it's a one-year deal, it's its a good place to develop. And uh, I, I i read somewhere, I think it was the Hockey News Hub page, he's not surprised because a lot of players, kind of like Huznadinov, end up mm-hmm. developing there like five years and then coming over here and, and jumping right into an NHL roster. I feel like a lot of them don't like to play in the AHL. And, I mean, the KHL is a fine place to develop as long as he's going to come over. Yeah, that was kind of my thoughts too. I mean, it's we figured you know these guys will come over, who's enough depending on you know what shakes up with what they do with that fourth line, um, you know could potentially slot in as your your four C. Um, Uger and I thought maybe going into the year had a chance to make it um, on the roster, but now with the extensions and then just having to kind of lost some of this season injury, I would imagine mm-hmm. he at least starts next season in Iowa, maybe mm-hmm. in one of those first call ups. I mean, much like who's in a or a Beckman or a Walker kind of lately. Um, your off was when I was excited for the most, but you know, you just there's only so many spots, and you know, if you're playing, if you're playing an important role, you're producing and you're getting used in the KHL. Like, like you said, Justin, I don't, I don't really see much of an issue with that. It's a one-year deal, um, and then hopefully that takes you right to the end of the, the Marcus Johansson not looking great extension. And then you can slot him right into that top six, you know, whether that's, you know, he, I think he's played some center over there too. He's played a little bit on the wing. So some flexibility to him where you might be able to use him. And um, I mean, really exciting. I mean, like you said, kind of the historic numbers he's putting up in his 20 year old season in the KHL. So good stuff. Coming yeah. Up. He's been going bonkers and people got to remember with him too. I think he's, I'm looking it up now, but I think he's only 19 years old, but uh, I mean, like there's yeah, still time. I think he has a late birthday. 
Yeah, he's 19 years old, December 22nd. So two days. He's almost 20. So gonna have to remember that for the prospects page. Happy birthday! You're off in two days. <laughs> uh, golden birthday? No. no oh, 22 will be a golden birthday. Yeah. Two more uh, years. N- n- number golden birthday. Yeah. He's <laughs> 22, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> golden number birthday. Golden number birthday. That's a new thing for Brett and Sam Farquhar. And obviously, yeah, if uh, if Russia was being allowed to play in the World Juniors, he would likely be like leading that team. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you talk Zirov, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Scott Willis said he'd be too old. Apparently, he doesn't meet the cutoff. Apparently, yeah. Uh, at least this is what I think. Some bunch of people were asking him uh, on Twitter when he put they did like a projection on the athletics. Do you see that projection there? Put your oh, observation. Yeah, yeah. You have to be, name. You have to be under twenty. <laughs> December thirty-first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. I did see that too. So. <laughs> no, I think that is right. I think you have to be under. It's because it's a U twenty tournament. I think it's, I think mm-hmm. it's under twenty. I think the tournament's end or like February. It's some kind of weird cutoff date. So yeah, you might. Yeah, it's, it's a little strange. But anyway. Anyway. Um, Let's move on here from Prospect Talk. Let's move into the wild. Um, let's maybe start – we'll start bad-ish and then hopefully move into the positive stuff. But obviously some unsettling reports coming out uh, last week, right about this time, uh, regarding two separate investigations into kind of the wild front office. One of them, which we don't really have a lot of information on, at least as of yet, uh, is assistant GM Chris O'Hearn did something. Um, to the point where it was bad enough where uh, it was deemed a fireable offense uh, and he was removed from the front office and that is now a vacant role for the team. Uh, we'll start there and then go into the other one. Um, again, we don't have a whole lot to go off of here. Like, I don't even know if I want to speculate. Like, we don't know if it was you know, something mm-hmm. with the – was it abuse? Was it, you know, I've seen people like, hey, did he, you know, did he give away some classified information maybe about contracts? You know, was it, could it have been something about gambling? We don't, we don't really know. Uh, we have no idea. Just whatever it was was apparently bad enough um, to get him let go, which you know obviously really you know sucks. Whatever happened, um, but also just leaves a huge hole in that front office. I mean, he was obviously the guy. He was the one that would crunch the numbers, manage the money, uh, key in their contract negotiations, um, and all of a sudden that went from there um, right to a vacancy. And you know at a time too when they had players going to LTIR injuries, where you know mm-hmm. crunching that cap really really mattered. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's kind of hard to uh, really say anything uh, without knowing what it is because, uh, you know, in both situations, you know, depending on, you know, exactly what happened, it's a little hard to say, you know, pretty much anything. But, but I mean, yeah, I think Russo did say in The Athletic, it was last week now, but he made it sound like he was close to reporting or finding out the reason, it, or the reason that uh, O'Hearn was let go. Uh, so, you know, maybe we'll find that out soon coming up here but but yeah no obviously uh you know it was kind of uh you know kind of i mean obviously it was jarring news pretty much out of the blue like he, he you know he had tweeted that day i mean like 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 you just explained brett that this is a guy that did pretty much everything for him you know the last three four years now and and uh was you know like you said just did all the contracts everything so that's uh you know obviously big loss and i mean it's it is interesting that uh you know like we'll talk about with garen in a minute how you know, trying to, 
to potentially go and find somebody, you know, good to fill that position while he's got, you know, all, you know, his stuff hanging over with that kind of cloud hanging over. And uh, he'll see how that, you know, the two might affect each other, even if they're not you know, directly involved per se. Yeah, that really um, put a big hole, like you mentioned. Um, there's not a whole lot of people, I guess, available too that I read right now that are, you know, contract gurus, like number crunching type guys, uh, mid season at least. It's tough news. There's, I, I don't really want to comment on anything until we know more, but it, it's discouraging. I mean, what's been going on because we like like this front office, and it's just kind of discouraging to hear. Um, you know, some of this negative stuff that's been happening and you just hope that it's, I mean, it's serious enough to get fired. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see what it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say regardless of what ends up being, I think you have to appreciate, like the one thing I think you can appreciate is um, how quickly that Craig Leopold seems to take mm-hmm. action. Um, so I believe that the, the report against O'Hearn, I think was fired, or, uh, was filed near the end of November. Um, they immediately brought in like an outside law firm, investigated, and I think in less than a month, basically determined like, yep, yeah, it wasn't like, wasn't mm-hmm. something they weigh on, it wasn't something they screwed around with. Like it was pretty swift action. So I think if there's one, if, if, if any positive spin on this whatsoever, it was the fact that they took this seriously and acted on it um, quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And Zeke, to your point, the other uh, obviously elephant in the room here is the um, the, the Bilgarian investigation, which determined um, he used some verbal abuse. Um, towards it seems to be toward Andrew Height. Um, Andrew Height, the one who filed the complaint with the Wilds HR department. So I'm, I'm assuming it was directed toward him. Um, it, I mean, it's possible it's directed mm-hmm. towards somebody else. He's reported it. Um, but obviously, I think he, you know, determined it wasn't a fireball offense, but obviously it was something that was said that was bad enough and serious enough where you know a guy that's been around hockey locker rooms for 10 years has probably heard a, a fair share of Mm-hmm. Some potty mouth language, um, among other things, felt you know, felt com- compelled enough to report you know his boss to to the HR department. So, um, was really really discouraging you know for me as someone who you know has tried you know as as because you mentioned and Justin you mentioned like you know front office that we really appreciated the culture they were changing and this was just you know a really mm-hmm. discouraging thing to read and kind of you know make you like well that sucks you know that was someone that we wanted to kind of root for but now it's like well this kind of puts a big damper on that. And I think the, the sentiment, I think can be said the same for this wild locker. And uh, Bruce was written, I think a handful of times that's on the radio that, um, you know, height since this investigation hasn't returned to the rink. This is a guy that hasn't like missed a day of work in years, hasn't returned to the rink. Um, and a lot of players are really upset because you know, for those that don't know, you know, haven't listened to Russo, don't read Russo, don't have athletic subscriptions. Heights, basically he's like the team operations manager so he's the one who books flights. Um, he plans a lot of events, like the Wilds Crazy Game of Hockey. He was kind of the pioneer behind that event. If players, you know, are on the road, you know, for example, Boldy in Boston, or they have, you know, some big milestone game in Minnesota, he's the one they go to to get tickets. Um, he's setting up hotel rooms and everything. Like this guy is like the right hand man for the players, giving them everything they need. So they're rightfully ticked by this because one, their GM has done something to, you know, hurt hurt this individual and and two it's now a guy you know hey this is this is our pal this is a guy we really respect and all of a sudden you know he's not around the rink anymore and that picks us off and and, and rightfully so yeah and i mean sorry it's just upsetting too because uh who knows what happened but 
it's I mean it's never like never okay to verbally abuse someone. I I mean it's I don't know how people get that fired up to where they feel the need to do that. I mean we don't really know a ton of details. At least I don't, but mm. I, I don't I just don't get how people can just verbally abuse someone. It's I mean it's it's tough. I mean it happens, but it's it's not okay. <laughs> I mean it it probably I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh. You know that might be the kind of stuff that was acceptable 30 years ago or that people you know mm -hmm. didn't you know like obviously back probably when garen was a player and all that you know it was probably you know it doesn't make it right obviously at all but it's just you know kind of how the culture was and still is obviously with some of these guys from that time and i think you know we've heard some good things but i think we've seen before with garen with you know when he's done interviews or in press conferences some, occasionally it seems like he can kind of Maybe not snap is the right word, but kind of, you know, can get a little, you know, a little bit heated at times. And, uh, you know, I think that's what Russo did say on the radio that apparently this was uh, several different like angry outbursts. So, you know, obviously who knows, you know, what that and what that entails or why. But, I, you know, I guess, you know, it's maybe not super like surprising, but like, you know, at the same time, like you said, Brett, this is a guy who's been there for 10 years. I mean it's obviously had to happen enough or it had to be bad enough for, you know, him to, you know, just pretty much to report it and, you know, be willing to walk away from his, his job like that. It had to have been bad enough for that. So. I think ultimately here, I mean, again, good that the wild took this seriously, put an investigation to it, determined it wasn't fireable. What the criteria for that is, I don't think we'll ever know, but I think ultimately, I think the, the lesson here, hopefully that Garen learns is to, hopefully bring a little more respect into you know, moments when things do get heated. And obviously that was a big issue with the reason why Paul Fenton got fired was you know, really mm -hmm. poor treatment of, of employees. And again, never, never okay. I mean, if you, know, if you put yourself in height shoes and that was at my job and my boss snapped at me, I don't, I don't know that I would come back to work either. Um, yeah. Sounds like originally he may not come back. It sounds like now maybe there could be a chance he still hangs around potentially working remotely or something along those lines, but um Hopefully, a, a really important lesson learned here, and um, you know, hopefully, we get some more details about all these investigations and can move forward yeah. in, in a positive way. But um, and I think, definitely something that I, I, I condemn for sure. It just really sucked to read. Yeah, and I mean, I think you know, obviously, you probably can't necessarily talk about everything just legally, but I, you know, I don't know if you will, but I feel like he should at some point uh, at least answer some kind of question or make some sort of the, you know public appearance about it because you know like you like you mentioned too brett it's a little it's obviously harder now to kind of just trust in you know him is not you know obviously as a person but you know in his dealings as a general manager because you know he's supposed to be pretty much like the lead of the hockey department be a leader of that group of people and you know it's you know just as a fan kind of as you mentioned uh you know if he's like he's been preaching the last few years as you mentioned too with the culture and all that it is you know, uh, until there's things clarified, we found out more. It's kind of hard to, you know, sit there and, and buy that with this out there now. So we'll see. I just hope I, I just hope they uh, it gets addressed somehow or even privately. Obviously, he's got things to work on. So Let's move on uh, off of that. Let's let's talk some some good stuff here. Uh, talk mm -hmm. about top of the show. Um the last time we recorded, it was Dean Evison out, John Hines in, one game under the belt. We didn't want to draw a ton of mm -hmm. conclusions um, for this team. Um, but 
you know, John Hines has seemingly kind of found a way to, to get this team a little bit back on track. As you mentioned, I believe under John Hines now 8-3-0. and Yeah, that sounds right. I think it's 8-3-0. Um, eight, three, and zero. Oh, um, so a couple shootout wins in there. Obviously, the huge, very, very exhilarating four-three overtime win against the Bruins last night. Um, just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I'll, I'll save mine for the end this time, and just kind of what you've liked about Hines, what you've noticed changes as far as maybe certain players, the way they're playing the game. Obviously, mm-hmm. Patrick Dwyer seemingly has found you know a solution to the penalty kill because that's been exceptionally better. Um, still overall, I think on the season, you're the bottom of the league, but I think it's only been like five-ish goals, I think, in these past 10 games allowed in the penalty kill. I think it's upwards around like a high 80s-ish percentage. So I think improvements there is always can't. I don't want to overlook Patrick Dwyer because he's done some good stuff there. So. Yeah, I think personally what I liked is the fact that he, I mean, we've talked about this before, he's playing the best players with the best players. Yeah. He's, he's making things, switching things in the lineup that we maybe have wanted to see in the past, like the Brodeen when he was not hurt in favor with um, the Kaprizov line. Um, I like that he's trusting a player like Faber, even though he's a rookie, he's playing exceptional. He's giving him 30 minutes a game. Uh, recently, he's leaning on him. He's maybe the best defenseman that's not hurt. <laughs> and uh, even when he's, even when he's, even when it's healthy, he might, might be the best defenseman now. It's just, he's, you know, doing different things that we may not have seen Everson do, especially, you know, the top line with the top defensive pairing. And uh, I think those are the biggest things I've seen. I mean, I feel like this coaching bump mm-hmm. got a little fire under their butts and, you know, it's also some of the things he's changed up and then a little different style than Everson. I think those are the things I've noticed the most. Yeah. No, I, I agree with the, you know, you know it's, I don't have anything much too different to add, just that, uh, you know, obviously I think uh, Dean's kind of, you know, thing, you know, at times it seemed to be a little bit stubborn with, you know, maybe lines or keeping certain guys together. You know, obviously we saw it, especially in the playoffs, but, you know, even when they're struggling, not really seemingly being a guy, you know, who, would really tinker at all. And I mean, obviously you don't necessarily want to be doing that every game, but I think kind of similar to what you said, Justin, he's seemed to, uh, you know, n- not been afraid to switch things up, like take, uh, you know, the Zuckrells and Kreisoff's off and put him with Boldy and Eck there on the top line, which was good there for, you know, it, I mean, it's still been good last couple games, but the first three or four games uh, starting in Seattle looked really good together. So just like you said, just, like like you said, playing with your best players, your best players, but also uh, just uh, being willing to, to change things if something's not working out, and not just not not just staying, you know, with what you've done just because it worked in the past. Either. Yeah, I think compounding on those things you mentioned because those are uh, takeaways that I have as well. I think the other thing is if you've listened to him and then just kind of watched him play, he, he's preached this idea of playing with a lot more speed, um, which I think mm-hmm. is a word like. I think Everson at times you hear the word like pace, like we want to improve our pace, but Hines really emphasized speed. Um, and I don't think that's just getting faster. It's you, you get faster by, by, by being better at moving the puck, by getting out of your zone quicker. That's playing with speed. And I think there, I can't remember which, which Russo or Joe Smith article it was. I think it might've actually a Joe Smith one. Um, basically kind of walking through, um, you know, how the Wild have kind of changed their breakout and changed the way they move to the neutral zone, making sure there's someone in support 
Um, we even saw from players kind of hinting at, yeah, we have this new system of we know where to go when we're going up the ice. Like we know there should be a guy here, and that's allowed mm-hmm. us to play quicker, to play faster. And I think you've seen that really help. You know, skate guys whose strength are skating. Matt, you've seen it for Matt Boldy. Obviously, the the goal. You know, he, he's broken out of his funk. The the positive regression has hit hard in the best way. He's scoring a ton. I think we've seen we saw it for sure on the blue line with guys like Faber. Rodine, Spurgeon, you know, maybe having a little more free reign to jump into the zone offensively to take the puck up the ice on breakouts. Uh, that was something I was really excited to see because it's, you know, I've, yeah. I've been preaching this for, I think, probably since we started the show that the future of the NHL is, is speed um, and, and playing on the attack. And I think we've seen the Wild maybe attack a little bit more off the rush um, while still not giving up their ability to play on the forecheck either. So I think they've added that element to their game. And I think that that's really helped. Um, I think you, you've seen it, especially defensively, you know, we, we don't see these long shifts where where guys are trapped in the defensive zone anymore. It's you know where they're mm-hmm. finding ways to, to make smart plays to get breakouts to, to start play going up the other ice. So that's one of the big things that's really stood out for me and has has really made me excited. And um, you know maybe I didn't give Hines enough credit because he's done he's done a lot of a lot of things that like I mean I've like I wanted coaches to do this and it's good to finally see it in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think it's also good no, to see. Sorry, keep doing that. Maybe that go back uh, next show back. But um, just reading that story too about how he, you know he wants to do better coaching. He's like picking people's brains and just yeah. trying to get yeah. better, shadowing people. Yeah. Um, another thought I had in my head with this speed thing that you mentioned, Brett, is maybe he's here for a few years and then this bodes well for some of the prospects like who's Nadinov, Yurov, Ugar, and some of these players are going to bring in some speed and um, maybe just, maybe this is just better for what, what's to come too. Mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, you know, part of this too is obviously I don't think we thought this team was as bad as they, you know, were at that point, five, 10 and four. So I think, you know, as, as you guys did mention, I think it's just some of their guys like Kaprizov and Boldy whatnot playing up for the potential. But, but yeah, no, I obviously it does seem to, you know, have changed the few things that we mentioned. And I think, you know, in regards to the speed that you guys were talking about, I think that was maybe a concern, at least I had, that, you know, they, they were obviously one of the slowest teams in the league that first month or so. And it was maybe a concern of, well, you know, are they really even capable of doing that with kind of the – some of the older veterans and the the bottom six with that emphasis on the, you know, the grit and physicality that they've had. But, but obviously, you know, like we've, like you guys mentioned, like we've seen that hasn't really been a problem. Uh, You know, so far they've been able to keep up obviously in Boston last night against a really, really good team. And we, you know, we're able to, to hang in uh, with with those guys and that kind of team and Vancouver as well. So it, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's really like, maybe now I'm not that surprising because this is fairly typical, you know, for, you know, for hockey teams, especially, it seems like I'll always get that coach bump, but it's also gone on a little bit more than just, you know, three, four games now where it seems like maybe this is going to be kind of a consistent thing where they're pretty good for the next, you know, couple months here, uh, which, you know, obviously they need to, to get back into the race. Yeah, and I think the other thing for me is I think there was a lot of, I think we even alluded to this on the show a little bit is you know, kind of one of his criticisms was maybe his inability to develop kind of young players or, Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the big example is like Ellie Tolvanen um, in Nashville, yeah. but like to me, it's almost seeming like the opposite. I mean, Justin, you, you you touched on how much faith he's put in Brock Faber, and I think you know one that's out of necessity, but two, it's like you know he's he's, he's putting a 21 year old rookie in positions to succeed. I think, and then you know obviously we've seen you know some 
some success out of you know, guys like Boldy, like Kaprizov. I think even going beyond that, I mean, look at what Damon Hunt, you know, has kind of done these last couple of games. Yeah. This is a guy, mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine Dean Evison putting Damon Hunt on the penalty kill or Bob Wood? No. Not a chance. No. Absolutely no. zero chance he would have been on the penalty kill. And he's he's played some big penalty kill minutes. He's been, you know, getting a little more opportunity. Um, we, we've seen him jump into plays, and I think Damon Hunt's looked really, really good. And I think a huge part, and we've preached it on this show, is the way to help young talent grow is to put them in positions to succeed. And I think they've done a really nice job of that with, you know, that he's obviously there's still a lot of faith in Marco Rossi and you know, obviously bumped off that, you know, that, that top line with Zuccarello and, and Kaprizov. I think it was more a recognition of, hey, this guy can can drive a line. Let's, you know, let's build out a second line, shift some things up, try to get some guys going. And like seemingly no matter who Rossi's played with, um, you know, he's helped drive that line of success. I mean, the top six has been like excellent. I mean, in terms yeah. of, if you look at zone time, if you look at the expected goals, the even the shot attempt differential, like it's very consistently our top six seeming is seeming to control those games a little bit more. And I think Justin too, that goes to your point of like that. That's also in part because they're they're putting five of our best players on the ice instead of yeah. three. And then with John Merrill and Alex Galagoski, right? It's you know, yeah. Let's let's get Brock Faber some time in the, in the offensive zone too. Um, so a lot of good things to like, um, you know. I think the, the the one thing I think is important uh, to talk a little is, is the goaltending. Obviously, um, we saw a vintage Marc Andre Fleury performance last night, and mm-hmm. you know as much as the team fought to hang in there, I mean I, that's that's an easy loss if Marc Andre Fleury doesn't doesn't bring his his vintage yep. form last night. Had some unbelievably timely saves. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of starts for Fleury. Most of the ones under John Hines have been Philip Gustafson, who um, post Thanksgiving Gus is just different. Um, since the coaching change now, I believe, uh, sitting at 6-2-0 and with a 9.42 save percentage, a 1.62 goals against, 9.66 goals saved above expected, has not had a single game with a negative goals, uh, well, the negative goals saved above expected, and has only allowed two or, uh, more than two goals once. Uh, and that was his last start there against Pittsburgh, where three of those, he was essentially helpless. Uh, backdoor tap in a terrible mm-hmm. turnover by Goligoski. A two one zero, like not a, a tip right out in front that like no goal in the league is stopping on the power play. Like, I mean, he has been unbelievable, and like, I'm gonna be the first to say like I don't think a John Hines coaching change fixed Phil Gustafson because one that's Freddie Shabbat that coaches that, but yeah. I don't. I, I think part of it too, you know, it, I think it goes back to you know they're getting out of the zone faster. He's not just under absolute slaughter in the defensive zone for minutes at a time. It's you know him. He might have to stop make the first save. I think his rebound controls improved, and I think the defensemen have done a better job of kind of boxing out in front, and when the rebound isn't controlled, either clearing it or making sure that Gustafson can see those shots from further out, control that rebound, steer the puck to the corner, those types of things. But I cannot be understated just how freaking good Gus has been. Um, and I think, you know, you can look at a lot of things. You look at Faber Brodine, you can look at Foley's resurgence, but n- none of the a lot of these wins don't happen without some of these performances that we've seen from Philip Gustafson. Mm-hmm. Right, and we're seeing him do it without Spurgeon and Brodine in the lineup too. So it's not all just good defensive play. It's you know some of it is, but uh, like you said, he's making they're making timely saves and then just playing really well, kind of playing that possible Vesna caliber that he had last year uh, during stra- long stretch. And uh, it's good to see them find their forms and then steal us some wins, give us some wins, help us uh, get through these injuries as well, and then. Um, kind of just play how we we know they can play. Yeah, and I think you know with Gustafson, I think in especially in Vancouver that game, 
even talked about on the post game with you know that starting in the breakaway on JT Miller where he basically kind of insinuated that he uh, you know kind of tried to almost give him the five hole and then shut it down at the last second kind of calmly kind of tricked the guy into the shot and did you know also did the same thing in the shootout uh, where he just you know that's obviously the hallmark of his game is just looking very very calm not moving not really ever seeming to bite on anything that the you know the last couple shootouts that he's been in especially uh you know has been really impressive and obviously that's how we know he is he's just you know very calm very sound uh you know doing what he needs to do get in front of the shots and specifically like you guys were talking about on the penalty kill has been you know even bigger because that was probably you know maybe the biggest reason why that had been struggling is they simply weren't getting uh saves at all and you know obviously you know probably didn't need you know him to be this good the last few games but you know the fact that he has been uh has been great and as you mentioned uh, has allowed them to win more games that they should especially with you know at times the lack of scoring that this team has had so it's it's great and you know i think there was a little bit of worry maybe that last year you know being having like almost historically good performance that you know okay you know maybe he's not that bad but is this guy really a capable starter and i think you know as we talked about he's obviously shown that he is the last two or three weeks and you know, it. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious now that he'll be probably getting. Well, I mean, you know, obviously they'll want to get Flower in there, especially after last night. But I think, uh, you know, he's looking like he, you know he'll be able to handle that uh, heavier workload here coming up. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of the last topic we'll hit on quick. I mean, I don't know <laughs> how much more can be said that hasn't been said, but I mean, just how unbelievably good uh, that rookie defense in Brock Faber has been. Obviously, mm-hmm. the stories. Played thirty over thirty minutes in three of the last four games with, and you know, with Brodine and Spurgeon out, um, you know, I think he's been on the ice for like one five-on-five goal um, in that stretch. I mean, there's just—I don't even know what to say about him anymore because just every night he just looks un, 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 un just unbelievable. Like he, it's so hard to process at times that this kid is, yeah. is, is twenty-one years old and hasn't, you know, as whatever. 14, 12 games under his belt in the NHL at like the hardest time of year to come in as a rookie. I would like to add one thing to this too. It's awesome to see. It's something we didn't see at the University of Minnesota even. Uh, it's something that I thought he could do is quarterback that power play yeah. one. He was maybe the best defenseman on the University of Minnesota and is looking like maybe the best defenseman on the wild. And it's we're starting to see him uh, I feel like he's really calm back there. He can really – he knows when to jump in, knows knows just the way he moves on that blue line and moves the puck around. It's it's incredible. Like you're seeing maybe maybe a, a late bloomer of offense coming through here. He's just just incredible. It's everything he does. I think that's – you know, that's a good point, Justin, about the offense is that I think all but one of his points, too, are at even strength this year so far. So – you know, like like you mentioned, if he gets that, I think maybe the power play minutes is probably just maybe more of an issue. Could be an issue of opportunity and and time and all that. But I mean, yeah, no, obviously can't really say uh, too much more. Uh, you know about how good he's been. I think you know probably the other biggest part is just you know just kind of the maturity that he has and you know already seemingly leadership abilities. I mean, he's always in the uh, pressers after the game. Yeah, he's, he's always you know. It's always saying, you know, I could be better. You know, I've been good, but I could have a lot better games a lot. I mean, even in that overtime 
a couple days ago when he you know lost the puck there, turned it over, which led to two-minute shift in his own zone, even after he had that great puck battle on the boards when he was dead tired to, you know, clear it out. You know, when he got back on the bench, you could visibly tell the frustration. But, you know, I think that's that's the biggest thing is you've never really seen any moments where you go, oh, he's, you know, oh, he's a rookie moments. Like, no, not really any, you know, silly mental mistakes or just, uh, you know, inconsistency at all there so far, which is great. Against that five on five. Yeah. So since since they went to Sweden, they've been on the ice for four five on five mm-hmm. against. Yeah. And I know. Playing against the best players in the world every night. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that about does it. Any uh, any final thoughts here? We we hit on a lot tonight. Stay within our time allotment. Did great. We did <laughs> Christmas wrapping tips. Tips. Uh, <laughs> but any final thoughts here before we wrap things up? I just want to tell everyone, thanks for listening to us. I know we haven't been on as much this year, but I know people have been saying, like, we miss your voices. We miss hearing your pod. We really appreciate the support. Um, We do this for fun, and and the support is incredible still. And just thank you, and I hope you all have a Merry Christmas and enjoy the World Juniors, and hopefully the Wild continue to win. Just enjoy it all, and and thank you. Retweet. Yep, no, 300%. 300%. uh, Anybody want to quote tweet? <laughs> quote tweet, yeah. <laughs> quote, repost, I should say. Repost. Yeah. Nope. I'm not changing. It's still a tweet. Yeah, I know. It, it is. <laughs> all right. Well, Justin, why don't you remind everyone uh, where they can find you and uh, all of your work? You can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with the Caprice Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke. Oh, uh, yeah, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Wyatt with a capital Z and a capital B. And if you want to you know, connect with me at all, chat with me at all, uh, you can find me there. Uh, for your patented referee rant, that's the place to be. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are also following the podcast account at Sound the Foghorn. Uh, all one word. Game against Montreal tomorrow, and then Boston again on a Saturday before we head into the Christmas break. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll hopefully be back for another show or two in January, and then we will also be putting the midseason prospect rankings on your radar, uh, hopefully coming up sometime in February. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.